I don't know if you guys get this. Um, no matter, like I've changed my hairstyle. Uh, actually, we've got this um, thing over our couch that's got like all of our pictures. It's called a gallery wall. I guess that's the fancy word for it. There's a gallery wall over our couch, and there's all these different pictures of, of Taryn and I and our family. And it's really just an evolution of, of our hairstyles. And, uh, and it's funny, every hairstyle I've had that, that's been a little bit different, I always get, you know, people, and I get the same, you know, person sometimes, people are like, you look just like so-and-so with a hair coat. Okay, I haven't, that's the first time on that one. But um, I don't know, have you ever gotten that before where people are like, you look like so-and-so, or you remind me? No? Yes? Do you get that? Okay, so I get that a lot, like, and it really it comes up, you know, about my hair. It's, it, it's never about my face. It's always about, yeah, it's just your hair. Your hair kind of looks like this guy. Like when my hair was uh, a lot longer, they said I looked like the lead singer of Reliant K. And I guess, I don't know, I don't really know uh, about him. But then, um, um, actually, and then I, I used to have this, like, little faux hawk thing going, and they said that I looked like um, Jimmy Neutron a little bit. It was all about the hair. <laughs> It was all about the hair, and then um, there was, like, another one. Actually, like, you first saw me, I think I was, like, 27 or something at the time, and, like, you got that whole Kurt Cobain hair going, and he was, I was 27 at the time, so I was like, don't be saying that. Like, 27 is, like, the rock age to die, so. Um, and then after I got it cut like this, I got another. There's, like, some interior designer. I've gotten several people. I was, like, mowing the grass in shorts and flip-flops, and they're like, you look like that famous, like, whatever, your hair is just like him. I was like, you think he'd be doing this right now? I'm like, no, he wouldn't be doing this. But I, I, mean, I got that a lot. And last week, we really got started talking about um, the Lord's Prayer and just really how out of that, God wanted to transform our identity, like really wanted to speak in and bring to life our identity in him, that our integrity just flows out of that. Many of us come to the church, or, and really what we're really trying to get together is our integrity. Like, we've got integrity issues, we've noticed ourselves as lying, we don't like the way we are angry, we have kind of bitterness about certain things, or we're, we're hurting in certain ways, and so we come to the church kind of with this mindset, I need to get my inter- integrity. Not everybody, but many of us. But really what God wants to do is, is deal with our identity in Christ, and then out of that births the integrity. And so I, I really, I wanted to come to the life of Daniel because um, I don't know about for you, maybe, maybe you don't have anybody that calls you out because of your hair, but at the end of all of every single one of our lives, we will be known for something. We may not be remembered by millions or hundreds of millions. Our names might not be in history books, but there will be people who we left an impression on their life, and we will be known for something. They will write something on our headstone or cremation, whatever deal. They will write something on there, and it can be just your name, or we can leave a lasting impact and a legacy. I just wondered, like, what would people, what would you be known for? Would it be the hair? Like, you like, oh, you remind me of so-and-so. Like, that would, would it just be something like that? Or would there be something deep within who we are known for um, that people would call us and remember uh, about us? And I want to go to the life of Daniel. Because Daniel, like, if on his headstone, like, I feel like it could just be a faithful witness. Like, he was faithful. And, like, I think most of us, anybody said yes to Jesus in here, like, we want to be faithful, but sometimes we just struggle to be faithful, and, and sometimes we go about it the wrong way. And so I want to unpack really the life of Daniel and, and the character, the, um, and I mean his character, like, like integrity character, not his character because he's a real person. I want to just unpack his life. And so you can almost treat this as like I'm, I'm preaching like Daniel's eulogy. Is that okay? Is that, is that too weird if we feel like we're in a funeral today? Um, but I love a positive eulogy where someone, the pastor can get up and just share something really beautiful and powerful 
Has anybody else ever been moved by a funeral? Like it just, that, that person's life impacted you in such a way, like the, putting before, like just the way they lived was so powerful. So I want to begin to unpack his life a little bit, just as a faithful witness, that we all might be able to be that faithful witness that God's called us to be. So we'll be throughout the book of Daniel. I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing. But let me give you a little bit of background on, on Daniel. Daniel actually begins with Daniel t- like doing a fast. That's where it comes from, at least the Daniel fast. Some of you are participating on right now, and we won't dive too deep into that. But Daniel's a really interesting um, work in, in, in writing because it's kind of it's 12 chapters, and it can kind of be broken up into two six-chapter segments because the first six chapters is actually written in third person. Right, it's written from another author, kind of writing historically about the life of Daniel and what's happened. And the the last six chapters are really Daniel writing down in its first person kind of prophetic literature. So if we just kind of look at it in this very interesting way, that it has both elements of it. And so authors at times have wondered, how do we, where do we place this in the Bible? Do we put it with more of the historical works of judges and? you know, chronicles, or do we put it in more of the prophetic literature, um, like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel? Do we put it back there? So you'll see arguments sometimes back and forth about that, but it's because it's both. It's both. And, and so it begins in chapter one with uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king at the time, and he's looking for like the strongest men um, in all the land to come and work for him. Some of you are in a position where you hire people. So you think about what that hiring process looks like in your life, or or some of you have been hired recently, and you think about what the hiring process looks like for each organization. Nebuchadnezzar's hiring process was to go out to compel these young men to come in. They didn't have a choice. They came in, and they would be trained for three years in order to go in. It was more like a military-type training, three years of preparation before they would go to service. Well, what happened is that the king was going to give them all the best food in all the kingdom. He was going to give them the very best wine in all the kingdom, and they would be trained, and he wanted the wisest, strongest men after, this, after these three years. Well, as it came uh, to be, like during that time, Daniel was not willing to take on uh, the king's food or the king's wine, in fact. And that was a very dangerous thing. In fact, one of the officials in chapter 1 says, hey, like, look, I, I know you want to just eat vegetables and, and, and try this. He's like, but I'm worried if you do this and you become, like, weak and frail in front of the king, he'll kill you and he'll kill me too. Like, I'm just telling you, this could be an intense journey if we go on this. He said, look, give me 10 days. Give me 10 days to just do vegetables and water. And then look and see if I look worse than the other people. And if not, then I'll, I'll give in. So he gave him 10 days and he looked he looked great. Like he, he was cut. Like he lost some of the, the muffin top. I mean, I guess he, he was like looking good, and he was really sharp in intellect and wisdom and, and just had good things to say. And so they said, okay, now we're going to do all you guys. All you guys are going to do this. So the rest of their time, they did this. The king never noticed, but Daniel took a stand. And so that's kind of where, the, right after that, is just the life of Daniel. The first thing I want to pull and, and look at from his life is that Daniel's faithfulness was to God no matter what. Like, he was faithful to God no matter what. This past weekend, we went over to the Avenues Mall, and we took the kids to the little play area there, and I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just thinking, play area, okay, I'll be good, and I haven't, like, I've been on the Daniel Fast and, and, and the Juice Fast as well, and uh, I, I've been thinking, you know, not had too much temptation, not really been hungry after different things. Well, we're, we decided after the play area, let's take a walk, so as soon as I turn, what's right there? 
Maggie Moo's ice cream, like perfect. And you can just smell it, like smell, the waffle cones are going, you can smell it, it's really tough. And then we walk down, and what, what's there? The pretzel place, right? And like that's got a great smell, and you're just looking at it, they're making everything. Um, and then you walk another couple steps, and what's there? The cookie place, like, and you know that's my weakness, so I'm like, oh, it's just getting harder and harder as we go on. And then like the, the most pungent, most like, um, kind of elusive, not elusive, seductive smell comes upon me, and it is Cinnabon. Like, yep, someone knew it. It's Cinnabon. It is so intense, and so it got harder and harder as I was walking that journey to, to be faithful. And some of you might be feeling that, like, even in your fast right now. It's getting harder and harder to continue on and, and go through. Your, your, your pains are getting stronger. Your cravings are getting stronger for that. But I want to encourage you to be faithful no matter what. We saw that in Daniel, not only in the fast, but we saw it throughout his life. You guys remember the whole thing about Daniel and the, the lion's den, right? That's, the, that's this guy. Happened because there was people who were really kind of affecting the king in a really bad way um, in, in chapter 6. In fact, I, I'll pull it up. And so what happened is they were really speaking kind of ill, and they really wanted Daniel dead because the king loved Daniel. Like, he was the wisest guy. Like, we'll, we'll read a scripture where he interpreted dreams for the king, and so he was really faithful in that way. Um, but we see this really interesting thing take place where they want Daniel dead. Like, Daniel's been nothing but a good guy that's doing the simple life, and he's doing it faithfully. Um, but people hate him. And um, kind of long story short, like, it comes down to it where they kind of trick the king into a place that he kind of writes this edict that anybody that prays to a God other than him um, will be, you know, put to death. And in this case, put in, into a lion's den. Well, Daniel, he's, he's not going to stop praying. He's not going to stop praying to God. And so he continues three times a day. He gets up. He doesn't do it like in a, in a closet. He does it just out there where people can see him. And he prays. He doesn't stop. He's faithful no matter what. He's not, just because people begin to pressure him, just because people mock him, just because life gets tough, he doesn't stop being faithful. And I, want you to, I want you to pick up on what happens here in verse 16. It's not on the screen, so don't worry about it. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Doesn't that just sound weird for the guy who's throwing him in this pit that says, may God rescue you. You can see like just the desire of his heart that he's kind of got himself in, you know, bad company and they've kind of tricked him into a situation that he has to kind of be true to what he signed. Um, and, and, but the, for the king to say, the God that you serve, what, continually, I could just use the same word faithfully. And so I think many of us want to be faithful and, and many of us are very faithful, but some of us struggle with like how to get there. Like, and there's just kind of a real struggle along the way. And what I've learned that really the substance of faithfulness is just faith and the constant application of faith. But I think we miss the faith part in the whole faithfulness thing. Because what we do is we begin to make faithfulness about works. Like I need to be faithful to the church. I need to show up. I need to do all this stuff. I need, and we, it just becomes about works and not about really having faith in who God is and this constant application. Maturity and walking with Jesus is not necessarily becoming the world's greatest theologian or doing the greatest miracles. Maturity is just the constant application of these elementary principles. To love God with all your heart and to love people um, just as he would. Like it's the constant application of those things in walking in faith. And what I found in my own life is that my, my faithfulness developed as my faith developed. 
Because for a long time, like when my faith wasn't there and I really didn't have the real sense of, like I believed in God, I believed in Jesus and that he, he died for my sins, but just this kind of relational thing, it was still about works and it was still about me performing for God and it was not about me resting in my identity and who he had called to me and faith in the grace of Jesus that we're saved by. It was, it was more in what I can do and what I can bring to the table. But as it be, began to be about love in my relationship and not duty, as it began to be about love, my faithfulness began to be about love and not duty. So if you find yourself in sometimes you know, the monotony or, or you know, even sometimes we look at the scriptures like this is a duty. Like I, I just come to, like I have, I have to read. And, and I've taught this many times. I'll continue to teach it because it's extremely powerful and we don't realize the power of our words. But I have to go to church. I have to read the scripture. When we use the word have, like, we're, we're, we're missing it. We're looking at things as duty and not pleasure uh, and not love. We're not doing it out of that place. So guard your tongue. Like, uh, it has the power of life and death. So be very careful of those words because words are, are very important. So faithfulness is, is really just, the substance of it is just faith. And so as my faith has developed, so has my faithfulness. And so I just want to ask, ask you to ask yourself a question, like, am I being faithful? Am I being faithful? And I think the follow-up question to that that's, that's even deeper is, do I really have faith in God? Like, do I really apply it? Like, many of us, we say we have faith, but when it comes time to actually apply that faith, right? We all have faith to walk, you know, move the mountains or to walk on water until what? Until you have to get out of the boat and do that, and, and it's a challenging time. So do I truly have faith um, in God no matter what, no matter what. Sometimes it's just when it's comfortable and when times get tough, you know, and, and really that, that testing, that, that trial that we might go through is just a testing and, and endurance time in our faith, and that's a refining of the faith. So if you've gone through a tough time, either in this past year or previous years, know that that's, God used that to refine your faith and to embrace that. Um, so I think the bottom one's kind of the big one. Do I truly have faith and who he is, no matter what, no matter what. So the second thing I want to look at in the life of, of Daniel is not just his faithfulness to God, which is compelling, I mean, right, to the point that he'd be thrown in this lion's den. If you don't know how the story ends, the lion does not eat him. That's gross. But there's many other gross places in the scriptures, but this is not one of them. You know, I think the lion, you know, was just chilling the rest of the night, and he didn't get eaten at all. I think the second thing that I really want to pull out was not just his faithfulness to God, but his faithfulness to who he was and like who God had called him. Um, and I'd say that Daniel wisely walked in his gifting. He wisely walked in his gifting. Um, and what I mean by that is just not only just like your personal personality and, and giftings that God's given you, but really the, the, the supernatural, like beyond the natural, like the supernatural like gifting that God has given you and that God wants to use in your life. And Daniel walked in that wisely. And, and I think God really wants to speak into the life of our church in this season um, that he wants us to continually walk in that and open that up and, and see what God is doing. Really, giftedness is God's fingerprint on our life. It's God's not only his fingerprint, but his, it's his spirit working through us. Um, and so I think it's, it's a key element for us living that out. Daniel was used um, as a prophet um, by God. And what I love about Daniel's life but I think it's just amazing. And, and I, look, we're going to go to chapter 2 here in just a second if you're following along. Uh, but I want to read one verse 
uh, that kind of points out um, Daniel's life and how he approached this this gift of interpreting dreams and uh, in and the prophetic. Um, the king asked Daniel, this is verse 26 in chapter 2. Uh, the king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, no enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Everything about his gifting was never about himself, Right? It was never about himself. It was always about pointing people to God. It was always about constantly throughout the text, he calls God just uh, of his sovereignty, the God of great mystery, the God of uh, the, his, whose kingdom will never end. He will establish it and will never end. He constantly is, is just pointing to the greatness and sovereignty and glory of God. And I wonder just like in our life, if, if, if maybe we've kind of haven't started walking in that and, and have to like begin to explore that and not only just begin to explore it, begin to walk in it, because I think it's a huge element to us as a church walking out the mission of God in the city and moving it forward in the city is the body of Christ beginning to walk in their giftings. Essential to moving the mission of God forward in the city is members of the body walking out their gifting in the body of Christ. It means if you have the gift of administration and organization, God wants you involved in, in engaging in that gift. If you have the gift of leadership or giving or of mercy or of worship, God wants to engage that gift and let that grow through the power of his spirit, not just through our finite natural minds. And that's essential for us moving the mission of God to make disciples in the city and around the world is each of us. Not worrying about what's not here. It's just being present in, in what is here in walking in that. And so, because many times when we look at our gifts, what do we do? We look at what we don't have, right? You look at what you don't have. Like if I, ask, like I sit down with people all the time and I ask them about their strengths and weaknesses just to find out. And you know what? People can usually like muster up one strength, but they, gotta, they can really list off some weaknesses. Are you like that too? Like you could list off a dozen weaknesses about yourself but if I tried to get you to name one strength, one gifting that God's put inside you and that he is working in your life, you'd have trouble naming that. Let me just plug our DNA sessions. If you've never been to our DNA sessions, I'd love to get you there the 31st of this month, 3 to 5 p.m. in our coffee bar, because we help you explore that. We help you walk through that and to see what God might be doing in the season and do some really you know, deep teaching on that as well. But it's important that we begin to walk in it and, not, and just know. And I think the big thing around this idea of gifting is not only walking it out wisely and walking out the gift. Um, let me first do this. Let me read um, 1 Timothy um, chapter 4, verse 14. Paul is talking to Timothy. And he, he says, look, man, you've got a gift of teaching, of, of preaching. Like, don't neglect that gift. Don't neglect your gift, which was given uh, you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Don't neglect it. Don't, like, set it to the side and say, there'll be another day, there'll be another time. Someone else will do it. Right? I've heard that before. Don't neglect your gift. This isn't about anybody else. This is about you, who God's called you to be. And we'd love to help you explore that, again, through our DNA sessions and through fellowship, that God would begin to just use us in, in a deeper and greater way. And so I, I think for every single one of us, it's not just beginning to walk in this gift, but doing it wisely and, and knowing and not kind of setting it to the side, but knowing that God can use us. And so if I had to ask you a question, and what we can see from Daniel's life is not only was he just faithful to God no matter what, he was faithful to himself. 
Like he didn't try to become, he didn't try to just blend in. You know what I mean? He didn't try to become somebody else. Like I remember when I was in middle school, you guys think back to middle school. Like you remember, at least in my era, like every year people would come back dressed completely differently. Right, and even through high school, like one year, guy was like a total redneck, belt buckle and everything, and then the next year, like he's in skater jeans and skater shoes. I'm like, dude, like what are you doing? Like you were just riding horses last year, now you're riding skateboards. Like he, it was just just constantly trying to to fit into something that they weren't, and trying to figure. Sometimes just middle school kids figuring themselves out, but but sometimes in adulthood we still do that. We're still chasing who we are instead of just resting who we are in Christ and letting Him lead us to this deepest truth about who he's created us to be, I think a couple questions that we can ask is, am I being true to myself? Am I being true to myself? And I think kind of the deeper kind of element of that is do I really believe that God has created me? Do I really believe that like he's uniquely wound me together and that I can begin to thank him for the good, not just mourn and be bitter about the bad? I hope that resonates with you today. Um, not, just, not just look at the things that are, you know, weaknesses in our life, but we can celebrate. God has created me u- uniquely in this place, and it is important when I'm a part of the body. This is who I am. This is what I add to the body. I think God's helping us to explore that in the coming, in the coming weeks as our community gets tighter and tighter as we launch into anchor groups. And I think lastly, so I mean, if you just begin to, to kind of follow kind of where I'm tracking here, is that Daniel's faithful to God no matter what. He's also faithful to himself and true to who God's created him to be in that deep understanding of how God's created him and to walk in that faithfulness. Uh, and there's so many opportunities. I could go to a dozen of them throughout the scriptures. So if you want some Bible study material, read through Daniel and just see these great ways in which he was faithful and then he walked it out. If you want a place to start this week. And I think lastly, and really kind of where I want to land and read through scriptures and just I think is, is amazing, is um, that for Daniel that it was so much about pointing to God. It was so much, like he was a faithful witness. Like it wasn't just about it, it wasn't about his gift, it was about pointing people to Jesus. You can see the impact he had on the king, that he just saw the faithfulness. Like he saw it from the beginning, he saw the wisdom that was coming out of this, um, this guy, that he was a faithful witness. He, he carried this testimony in his life. Like he, he didn't look to get up into the king's you know, business. He didn't look to do that. They, they called him out. And in your own life right now, like God's called every single one of us to be a living testimony for him. One of the most beautiful parts of scripture, in, in my opinion, is 2 Corinthians chapter 3 through 5, because it says that, that the law is no longer written on tablets of stone, but now it's written on flesh. And, and it's this beautiful picture that the only life, the only thing about Jesus people might ever know is through you. The only testimony of God's goodness might be because you're in a small group with them, or you work in a cubicle with one other person, or because you work with these three, four people, they get to know you. A long time ago, long time ago, my dad uh, worked, he was a meat cutter, like he, he was a market manager for Winn-Dixie, and uh, I was growing up kind of around the meat business, and we ate steak a lot, and that was amazing. Um, I remember going, and my dad was just kind of like, I don't know, my dad was always pretty quiet and shy out in the community, knew people, knew lots of people, um, but he just wasn't an outgoing personality and didn't have a big title really anywhere in his life. I mean, he was a manager at work, but, you know, didn't really carry that kind of 
you know, major influence. And uh, I remember just going in, and like he was just like Mr. Famous around work, though. Like, I mean, he wasn't like the highest on totem pole, but he just impacted people's lives. And I remember going to my dad's retirement. He started at Windex when he was like 15 or 16 and retired there when he was like 35 or 36. And I remember going to his retirement party, and it was really moving because my dad had this, um, had sayings, you know, around work. You guys got sayings. Don't you have sayings? Like, just your dad says, or just, you know, you, you know your girlfriend says, or somebody says, you know, they, we've got these sayings. And my dad had one, and it was, it's all good. It's all good. It was just a positive outlook. And they said, on his headstone, it's going to say, it's all good. It's all good. Like, just chill. It's all good. It's going to be good. And he had had this such, just a powerful impact. So I just remember listening to just these people that he wasn't going to see anymore. Um, share. It was kind of like a eulogy without being a eulogy. It was kind of the end of a career, not the end of a life. And uh, I was just really moved as a very young, young guy um, and just seeing the impact he had had on all these people. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, maybe you'll never be on a stage and may, maybe your name will never be in lights. Like sometimes when we're, you know, kids, we dream of being. But there is a, a living testimony that God is wanting to use in our life that no one else can bring that is bound with your story and your giftings and your unique identity in Christ. And as opposed to kind of trying to fit into some other model or some other kind of fit, we just need to just let God's identity in us just kind of rise up and let that be visible. And Daniel was a living testimony in a very strange land in which he was called upon to fit in and bow down when others bow down. You'll remember the, the three Hebrew boys who were thrown into the fire because they would not bow down to this 90-foot idol. I want to encourage you to stay faithful. Let's read um, Daniel chapter 2. I think they actually have this one up there with me. Let's begin through verse 26. We'll read this again through 28, and then we'll jump down to 46. The king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel, Daniel replied, uh, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. So he begins to list like what these visions are and what they mean in his life. And skip down to verse 46 with me. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. After Daniel unpacks for 19, 20 verses, he unpacks this vision. Verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate. Like that is like falling on your face, like completely in front. This is the king. Like uh, we're not talking about Joe Schmo, like on the road, Mr. Humble. We're talking about the king that if people like show weakness or say the wrong thing, he has them killed. Like, you know, the, you just kind of follow that. And so this is a powerful statement of what God was doing in this time, fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor in order that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries, and you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him rule, ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, um, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Um, we see this powerful influence that a, a, a kid really was just out kind of doing life, and God brings him into his glorious plan. Not only 
um, in this place but over Babylon and to have this great rule. Did, do you think Daniel ever grew up thinking, you know what? I'm going to be a ruler one day. You know what? I'm going to get to appoint administrators in the king's kingdom. No, I don't think he did. I think he was faithful. He was faithful in the little things. He was faithful in every moment. He was faithful to God no matter what. And, and some of us may have some things that's being dif- it's really difficult for the no matter what right now. Um, I don't know what that is for you. I don't know if it's a, your financial situation. I don't know if it's some things that are really tripping you up. Um, lust of your eyes and of your heart. Um, sin that's really bound you. Shame that's following you. I don't know what those things that might be kind of difficult to overcome for you. I don't know what the no matter what is, but I know right now that we have a, an incredible example in Daniel of what it means to faithfully be true, be true to God, be faithful to God, to be true to ourselves. And I think the last thing, the last question that I'd ask here is, do I really believe that God could use me? Could God really use me? Could I be faithful not only to God, to myself, but could I be faithful to the people around me? Be faithful to walk out this call and to point people to Jesus, to point people to the sovereignty and the glory of God. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I think across this room, God's, maybe I, I actually think out of this message that God's got us in a lot of different places across this room, that some of us really are kind of struggling to just be faithful in the little things. And I'd encourage you, don't go to all the works, but, but go back to the faith. Go back to the faith because it's out of that identity and that faith that, that, that God births integrity, that he births faithfulness. And so to walk out of that relationship. And some of us in the house, like, man, we're, we're doing our best to be faithful, but like, I just feel like I'm, I'm missing an aspect of my life. I'm, I'm missing walking in who God's called me to be. Like, I feel like there's something unique that God's called me, a vision that God's given me. And I believe that this is a season, this is a time where God wants you to tap into that. God wants you to explore that and to use it for his, his renown and for his glory. To move upstream, to make a difference in the stream and not just go along with the flow. And maybe there's just some in the house that, man, you kind of discovered that and it's just really just opening our eyes to the people that are right in front of us. Being faithful and letting God use you right where you are. Man, I've, I've loved, there's been a, um, a couple people that have come into my life over the past month or two, and um, they, they've been in kind of tough situations um, uh, with their living situation, and even just emotionally, just really broken, and um, they, they've come to me at really, um, I, I would say, inopportune times, but perfectly opportune times, too. I don't know if you've ever had that happen before. It's like when you're stressed and when you're super busy, that's like when God's like, slow it down, slow your roll. I got something for you right now. And there's such a beauty in the relationships that God births out of there. So sometimes when we talk about that faithful testimony, we wonder what does that look like? I think it means intentionally investing in the people around you. Intentionally investing in, in people's lives and, and not, not worrying about what's not on the inside of you, but just letting out what is on the inside of you. Don't worry about having all the right words. Just give the word you have. You know, you don't have to worry about anything else. You're not going to be held responsible for anything else. You just need to be faithful where you're at and to those around you. And so I want to ask you to stand. And 
Matt's going to um, lead us in, in a song, and Taryn's going to uh, come and invite us to the table before he does. But um, I just want to ask you to just bow your heads with me, and I want to pray. And just pray that these next few moments, that what God's speaking to us about faithfulness and maybe being faithful to God when no one's watching, or maybe it's being faithful to people around you, that God would empower us to do so. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that in every single one of us, God, is the identity and the image of God that you are calling forth. God, it's in your will that, that no man should perish, God, but that all would have everlasting life. God, I pray that we'd come to know that everlasting life by putting our whole faith in Jesus Christ today. God, by no other name can we be saved. It's through Jesus. God, we find rest today in the identity that you've created. God, I pray for those that are exploring their gifting and what you might be doing. I just pray that faithfulness and faith would be birthed out. God, that you can use us. You can use us in the city. You can use us in our workplace and in our home. God, we trust you. We trust you as we are faithful in the little things, God, you will raise us up. As we are faithful in the little things, you will raise us up for your renown and for your glory, God. Help us to always point to you. Help us to always point to you. In Jesus' name.